I want my children or young young children break that brick brick wall and go other side. You're listening to the Hoo Ha Podcast. Entering Arnhem Land for the first time, as we did on our tour of remote communities earlier this year, can be disorienting and confronting. The weather, the terrain, the language and the ancient culture is all new to white lads from the south. It is invigorating, but it can be overwhelming. You're forced to confront your most basic beliefs about Australia's culture and history. You can feel all at sea without a compass. Fortunately, we were lucky enough to have navigators to guide us, like today's guests. Victor Rostron is a highly respected songman, senior culture man, songwriter and musician from Stone Country in Central Arnhem. He is a passionate believer in using two tools, both that of white man or balander and blackfella to help his community. He is accompanied by his friend and collaborator, Natalie Carey, who is a musician, songwriter and creative. She lived in Manangrita for 10 years, coordinating a music program and founding the Community Arts Development Program. She currently works with Victor on his many projects and manages his talented children, his sons in power rock band Wildfire Manwork, and his daughter Cindy Rostron, a model and TikTok star. For reference, throughout the podcast we use words like binning and balander, Binning means man or person in language and is used by people of West and Central Arnhem to refer to themselves, a bit like blackfella. Ballander means whitefella from Hollander, as Dutch traders were the first white-skinned people seen and they traded with the saltwater people of northeast Arnhem. We didn't know this when we went up there, but now we do. Enjoy. From the My name Victor Rostrum. Um... I'm Bushman, a born Bush, place called Jainment, upstream Kirill River, um, I think upstream from uh, Globidata Arc Station. They're, I think, 85 or 86 k from Mengrida to Globidata. And yeah, my uh, clan is two, uh, Urpan and Bunungu. Yeah, come up. Come up, Mengrida. Come up. Come up. <laughs> yeah. um, and when you were a boy, where did you spend most of your time growing up? Uh, bush, um, with my grandma and grandfather. My mom left me when I was born. Yeah. And then, yeah, all my life, bush time. Yeah. So to the uh, Ballander people listening down in the south, can you tell us about in Arnhem Land, you have the communities and then the outstations. What, what are both of those places like? Well, we've got um, uh, one big organisation uh, called Baonanga, call it BAC. Uh, it serves uh, 32 or 33 outstation homeland, and mostly the homeland uh, struggle a lot and been struggled for a long time, like uh, the Sunderling payment, uh, health side, and a lot, a lot of things been going on. Um, uh, I think uh, government 
pulling us more, pulling in our in our community, Manangrida. There's uh, lots of um, uh, crowded house, and uh, I think just really frustrating for myself and countrymen. Like a lot of break in, a lot of things going on, and especially on the help side, they're hard. What do you call it? Um, Rheumatic heart. Rheumatic heart, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. really big things in our community. And that's one we want to, you know, support our, our clinic. Um, yeah. We got few nurse and doctor with us, standing with us. But Homeland is really powerful uh, home. That's where we want to we, we wanna belong to. And we want to see in, in the future... We want to go back there because landscapes, everything right there. We want to take our children back in homeland and start learning all the story, ceremony, mm. language and culture. Yeah. yeah. When you talk about the government, do you feel well, well represented by the people in power up north? Um, I think so, but not much for homeland. They, I think, supporting. Just only community himself, man and Greta, but not much a homeland. So, Baunaga uh, finding really hard with um, trying to get a funding for homeland. Sorry, uh, Nat, we should have int- got you to introduce yourself uh, at the start yeah. of the <laughs> podcast, but I'll, uh, can you introduce yourself and tell us about um, your role and, and, and your relationship with Victor? Yeah, for sure. Um, so my name's Natalie Carey. I also go by the name of Valentina Brave um, from time to time when I'm doing music stuff outside of working with this mob. Um, so Victor and I met probably about 12 years ago. Um, I came up to Manangrida. I was doing music. My husband um, ended up getting a position at the school as the music teacher at the school in Manningreda and we brought our whole family up to Manningreda. And, yeah, I was working at the school doing music stuff. So I started working in the community at the beginning in music and I was working with the um, playgroup. I was doing mobile playgroups with um, mothers and children around the community just like taking instruments out into different parts of the community and just doing sort of outreach music stuff on the ground around different parts in town and then um, I ended up working with the outstations with the homeland schools and I was taking a truck out with a bunch of gear out to outstations um, for, you know, a couple of days or a couple of weeks at a time, travelling around to homeland schools out at outstations and just kind of, you know, taking instruments out and just doing music stuff out at outstations and that was through the school. Um, So basically through that music stuff and through music really being big driver and a big passion for me Victor and I started to kind of find each other and connect because obviously that's something that we really have in common um yeah and we just sort of started to become mates and have lots of conversations about what was going on with music programs in community and you know opportunities for capacity around recording and storytelling in, in Manningrida and um you know there's been some some good times over the years but as in lots of communities, those opportunities kind of, you know, they they wax and wane and at that stage there wasn't really much going on and 
Victor and I started talking about trying to put something together like a music program for Manigreeder and we sort of just started plugging away at that for a long time and it ended up that we we worked with another TO, a really beautiful musician out here called Joseph Ditto, and we put together a program called the WeWa Project, which was a music and media program, and so Victor and I started working together pretty full-time as of then. And that's when I met the boys, the band, the Wildfire Mun Water Boys. Um, they were yeah. all coming in. We actually ended up getting some instruments and we had a space and, um, yeah, pretty quickly I realised that it was Victor and his whole family that were all very, very, um, you know, creative genius. Talented. Musicians. Yeah, so they were coming in and Cyrus ended up working with us at the WeWa project and, yeah, we just sort of started going from there. Mm-hmm. And we've worked together ever since and it ends up after all these years that um, I've now left Manangrita and I'm the band's manager. So everyone should check out Wildfire Manwork, Victor and his um, sons, mm-hmm. an amazing band. They've just had their debut um, single come out, um, Lonely. Um, Bangari. Bangari. Yeah. <laughs> um, and awesome video clip shot around in and around Man and Greta, and they'll be coming to a stage near you down south hopefully very soon. With us. With us. They, um, on my first listen, they almost reminded me of a, uh, Arnhem Land Choir Boys. <laughs> so there's some elements of metal, classic rock, but, of course, all channeled through the spirit of, of their people and culture and language. Now, just to backtrack a bit, because I'd like to give the readers, uh, the listeners, <laughs> some um, context, and people from down south may not know as much about the history of Arnhem and this when we're talking about communities and homelands, and I think that's important for people to understand. So correct me if I'm wrong with this, but basically Arnhem Land's quite unique because it was never uh, conquered by pastoralists as such, um, and the history of that's very interesting. The you know, Yulnu people and other um, First Nations people of that region had battles and uh, with the with um, white people and also and sort of stopped them settling the land. And also, um, it's just very harsh country uh, for for people to survive in. Um, but then, what happened in the twentieth century? The the missions came in essentially, um, and they created these communities, um, which were artificially created uh, places, or some missions and some maybe pastorals or stations, mm. and they created these settlements, mission uh, communities for people to live in, where a number of different clans came to live together. Um, and but then in the and they had problems associated with that because people were away from their traditional lands, sometimes quite a long way away. And so then in the 1970s or so, the homeland movement started, which was the idea that um, people wanted to go back to their own land and spend time on it. Um, So now a lot of people will live between the community and their outstations, which is actually their own land. But there's a lot of difficulties in that because the community is already isolated, but then the outstations are very isolated and it can be quite difficult to survive out there. Is that a sort of accurate 
accurate summary of, of how, how the communities and homelands work? You're right there. Yeah. Well, good. Um, in the early days, I remember me and my people, grandfather and grandma, used to walk 60 or 70 miles for food because uh, mangrove was only a small machine. We only had um, the MPA store the, and because of our barge coming in straight up in Mangrove. So mm. they used to walk with us for uh, 70 miles get our food and walk back. And that day, there was a couple of machines, like on Pelly. So my family all spread. They went on Pelly, some in Bulmon, ah, not Bulmon, um, Minero, Minero Station. And yeah, that's where me and my family, my grandfather and grandma, stay in um, rocky country. And yeah. many, the land. How many languages do you speak, Victor? Me, I uh, normally speak uh, Gunan language, uh, Rembarna, half Talabon, and I understand six or seven languages, yeah, but I can't. And English, of course. Ah, and, yeah, English. <laughs> How did you learn all those languages, uh, Victor? Well, come up in Manangrida community and listening all different different language group, uh, mm. like I would say uh, living together, gone mm. and I think the sacri- uh, ceremony side and the cobri side, like um, really important. They used to uh, gather up. Meet us, uh, meet one another to um, in ceremony or funeral, and <clears> that's <throat> our like uh, second home in Menangura. And when we went to school, there was different different language group in the class, and start yeah uh, speaking and listening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Menangura is actually one of the highest languages per capita in the world. Matt, can I ask, you spent, you've, you've got a unique perspective as someone who's spent a balander, a white person who's spent an extended amount of time in the community and has forged strong friendships and bonds. Can you describe what your first impressions of uh, the community were when you first went there? Because we've recently had the good fortune to travel through Arnhem and it's just a mind-blowing experience and hard to put into words. What was your first impression and then and then how's that developed over time? Um, yeah, it's such a it's such a great question. I I was really like we really wanted to come up to community. Um, it was quite a fascination for me. Um, honestly, it was a place that really felt a part of the, our history and a part of the country that I'd never sort of understood or had access to and I was really fascinated with it. I'd always had a real fascination with First Nations stories and First Nations history and um, 
the opportunity when it came up for us to come up to, especially through music, to come into Manangrida was, it just felt like a dream. The feeling that I had coming up, we actually packed up our house and it all happened really quickly. We got the job and three weeks later we were on a little plane on the annual flight coming out with my husband and I and our two kids. And flying over that country was one of the most amazing um, feelings that I've ever had in my life and I actually cried. My kids were just laughing at me because, like, you know, I, I tear up pretty easily but I was just crying looking out just, um, yeah, just really fascinated at the fact that there was just nothing there. Like we were actually flying over this expanse of bush and this expanse of lush green, like hundreds and hundreds of kilometres of just expanse that was that looked unoccupied um, with all of the beautiful river systems and, you know, we, we were leaving what felt like, you know, a kind of built-up part of the world and going into this remote place and it felt like that as we travelled across the country. What I realise now is that all of that country is actually occupied, you know, like people people are connected to that country and there's outstations all the way out there and all this mob have walked that country for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Um, and so that's one of the perspective shifts for me is really understanding that people see this as a place that's just this faraway place that's just, uh, you know, it, it is fascinating. The more time I've spent out here, the more I realise that this is a place that people are connected to and that's one of the most important things that people in mainstream Australia need to understand that this isn't the last frontier. This is a place where people are still connected to country. They walk that country. They've got stories that are embedded in their blood, in the bones, in the dirt that's happened for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Um, and they're still telling those stories and they're still walking country. What is the best way for people who aren't from that region, what is the best way to go about experiencing that country and, and the culture without doing it the wrong way? I mean, I think what's going on with, like, what what the band are doing and, you know, the kind of purpose behind the, the way that we've tried to put the music videos together, for example, supporting First Nations artists and supporting First Nations creatives that are actually, they're telling stories, there's storytelling going on and that's a way for people to really access and understand what it is um, that life represents and what it is that people are actually trying to say about their own lives. You know, it is tricky to come out here. Like there's there's not that many ways to be able to actually come on and access country. You guys did it in this incredible way through the vehicle of arts and through the vehicle of music on that on the tour with Black Rock Band with the Guts Mob. You know, that's and that's a really fortunate way. Like, but that take it takes a lot of planning and it takes a lot of funding and it takes a lot of process because this is a place that's not really kind of open to the public. You can't just kind of come out. You know, the only reason that I was out here is because we worked here. The only reason that my family were, you know, fortunate and privileged enough to be able to have um, time on this country was because of our positions, because we were employed, and that's largely the case across Arnhem Land. I think the best way, like, for people to actually really try and have an understanding and feel like they're, they're gaining access is to support what it is that First Nations people are creating and listen to their stories and 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 support agency for that storytelling to keep existing um, in a way that's actually really self-driven and community-driven where the voices are authentic and it's coming from the people themselves. Victor, um, to follow on from that, you've been a very important leader for your people, but that's involved working a lot with Ballander. Obviously people like Nat, but also 
corporations and perhaps even people that don't understand your culture very well. How have you found that struggle? Oh, lots of struggles, and we've come off a long way to make uh, Benin and Balanda understanding. And mm. Natalie saying, the music is really best to communicate a lot, a lot of things happening in our, our Benin way, but we feed in there, and we always, we always be there for Bisila Balanda and help communicate one another and respect one another. And we need more Balanda coming and work with us and go together. Every time I keep saying, we want to put a double tools, the two tools, Balanda and Bini, we want to put it together and work together. And in the future, we like to make big changes. I really like that idea of two tools. Uh, yes. <laughs> Because I think it's so important that Ballander recognise how much we have to learn from Binning and First Nations people. Yep. And and it's so generous, we've found, that people like yourself, Victor, and Black Rock Band and all the people in the communities that we visited, they are so open in wanting to share mm. their stories and culture. And to go back to the music when you were growing up, was there rock and roll music around? Did your grandparents play rock and roll or was it all more traditional? Well, no. The, my grandfather uh, took um, old tape with the cassette in Milwaukee, a place called uh, uh, Rocky Country. And yeah. I hear the sound coming out from cave, my grandfather, sleeping and listening. Um, eagles and... The eagles. Yeah, <laughs> eagles and what? Uh, oh, back in 70s and 61. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they're listening to the eagles in and stuff like that in a cave. Yeah. You know, amazing. <laughs> yeah. And then who, who was it? Were they... We, did your grandparents and and their and your other um, relatives play play music? Ah uh, no, my uncle was playing acoustic uh, guitar. Like they had um, gospel music. They had uh, uh, Sunday church, and they had, um, like a, a kumbaya songs, like old Christian songs, and that's where yeah. the pin start. I play music. All my uncles there was on the band now. Um, Nabalek music. Oh, Nabalek. So, yeah. Very famous. Yeah. All my uncles, Ross Kolmala, Tara Goymala, they was playing music. And that's where we thought, I mean, start showing us how, how to play music. Yeah. And, and Nabalek went all around the world. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We watched a video of them at the. Um, the ARIA Awards, even. Ah, yes, yeah. Too deadly. They went around, around the world. <laughs> Still going. Still going. Still playing. One of the great things about Arnhem music is this cross-collaboration. You have gospel, you have um, the traditional song lines, mm. rock and roll, and even in Wildfire, now they're more of a metal influence uh, and reggae, of yeah. course. Can you explain um, to the listeners about the traditional song and, and song lines and um, 
and and what that means. What that means, Songline is our Songline been there for before us for thousands, thousands, mm. and we want to continue. We want to hold that Songline really strong. We want to continue our Songline. That's really important. We want to continue showing our our kids and. We got uh, landing on country in Manningrida. We want to keep continue working with uh, school. That's the only change we got because of language and culture. We don't want to lose it because a lot of things be changing for us from beginning. Uh, independent, mm-hmm. uh, inter- intervention. Intervention yeah. come up and change everything. So we really lost everything, but we keep standing. What, what talent come up, we have to go through and then made it, but we keep any changing, any talent, we keep moving forward. Is it hard to get the young people interested in the traditional culture or are they? is it easy to get them, get them learning? Well, it's both sides are really, really hard this day because of a um, uh, lot of technology, but really good. This song, we were doing it, and song line, you know, I've been setting up in Drake with all my kids, and with Natalie, mm-hmm. showing me uh, uh, Instagram, Facebook, all that more things, and that's really good. Um, TikTok, that's where we can put all the song line, all the boost yellow story, and that's where all the kids, uh, because all the kids are really, really good at, good at that, and they can see it right there, and that's where they other way they can learn there. And mm. and we've got still strong strong ceremony. We every year we're having ceremony and uh what say uh corbury. We sing and dance every time. Yeah, yeah, really important. That's one of the really cool things. Um one of the things that I find so inspiring about Victor is um, the way that he's actually really continually integrating all of the things that are in front of him or all of the options on the table and that there's this real sense of, um, you know, passion and dedication to finding progressive ways and contemporary ways to keep retelling stories. And even in the way that, you know, the band, like all, all the boys, all these kids in Wildfire Munwater, they're, you know, the vehicle of heavy metal music. For Vi- for Victor, we've had conversations and he's like, well, if that's the vehicle, then that's the vehicle. Like, that's where we'll go. I'll go in that, I'll come into that stream with them because what that means is that it can keep, you know, talking about culture and the song lines can be integrated into that and, you know, that that conversation about around social media and, you know, finding ways to keep retelling stories online. And he's like, if this is the, if this is the way that it's happening, then this is where we'll come, you know. We had an interesting conversation, you and I, about that, Nat, and um, the the stories from um, Arnhem and other First Nations people aren't always just going to be about traditional, the you know, traditional themes. Mm. A band like Wildfire, um, and this follows in a lineage of other great artists like Archie Roach or even AB Original, sometimes the songs are going to be about difficult themes. And wildfires actually writing about the some of the difficulties faced in the community, um, be it health problems, other social problems, but it's actually a First Nations voice. So, um, like you said, culture is an ever evolving thing, and if it's the it's yeah, it's taking those bits of 
you know, ballon the culture and using them to tell their own stories. And that's that's just that's really interesting. Yeah, that's right. Well, it's a, that's it. It's a powerful tool. There's powerful tools all around us. And, you know, the innovation that I see, particularly with someone like Victor, his creative mind and his creative genius, and he's so innovative and he's continually finding ways to be innovative in the way that he keeps sharing stories and bringing people into that story um, to invigorate how important it is. Um, and you're right, like it's, you know, it's a good chance to tell actual authentic stories through a vehicle that's an honest storytelling lens. How are you finding the response to everything that you're doing right now and, you know, being a representative for the band? How are you finding the response um, within the music community and and further? Is that me or Victor? Either. <laughs> <laughs> the response for the single and the video has been huge. Um and I think one of the one of the really cool things about the video is that we really tried to tell an honest story. Um, and so the first video for Lonely Bungity is a it's it's a part one and part two of like a um, you know it's there's two chapters to it. So the first one is Lonely Bungity, and the second video is Maradite, which isn't out yet. It's out on the 25th of November. And we really tried to kind of tell the story of two sides of the same coin and that is that there's a community life, there's community world, which is like what Victor was saying before. It's like, you know, there's lots of overcrowding and there's lots of technology and, and you know, like Manigrida is and communities are suffering. There's a lot of there's a lot of trauma and there's a lot of dysfunction and it's, you know, services are limited and funding's limited and it's it's tough. It's a tough life. Um there's that coupled with all of this incredible other stuff that's like, you know, rich culture and rich language and amazing relationships and expansive, beautiful ways to interrelate with each other across time and across country and across eons of, you know, thousands of years. And, you know, there's this consistent juxtaposition that happens out here, which is just such a dynamic, beautiful thing. Um and, you know, but that community side, that community side of life, which is a melting pot of lots of clans, lots of languages, lots of life, the other side of that is this other conversation continuing on from earlier, which is outstations and homeland and bush and being on country. And we really tried to tell and, and kind of portray those two stories in the two, in the, in the two videos. Mm. So the second video is Maradaych and... You know, we shot that out at Dukla Jarand, which is this and really beautiful, like mind-blowingly beautiful place um, in Stone Country, Central Arnhem Land. That's rich in history. There's so much rock art. It's big escarpment country. There's this beautiful, like inland white sandy bank river, and this mob have been living out there for you know thousands and thousands of years. And the the great takeaway from the first video coming out was that people really responded to how honest it was. They really responded to the fact that it was a video that actually showed the kind of gritty nature of what it means to live in community and what it means to actually be binning, you know, in this melting pot of sometimes it's quite chaotic and it's also really creative and really colourful and really dynamic and really fun and there's also trauma and there's also dysfunction and there's also, you know, overcrowding and, and that's a, you know, we made that conscious decision as a group to really try and explain and show that reality and bring people into that honest story, like to tell an honest story rather than it being something that's through a lens that's palatable 
um, you know, that is this kind of like not not to write off other beautiful music videos that have come before. There's so much amazing, amazing footage and amazing content that's been created in community. Um, but a lot of it, you know, it's got a certain look. It's got a certain kind of aesthetic that comes with it because it's beautiful and people want to, you know, people want to re- represent their culture as well and that's a really, um, you know, and it's a really important part of, of the storytelling process, but we really talked about wanting to tell an honest story that's not just that cultural side, but it's actually the reality of what it means to be being in community. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I mentioned to you in some ways it reminded me a little bit of um, black American artists and sort of NWA or, or similar hip-hop things came to mind when they were really making their art about the gritty nature of their lives at that time and... Um, and you know, not only created yeah. great art, but recognizing the need for for change and justice. And um, obviously, it's very different context. But I felt the same way about about that video, and I'm so excited to see the next instalments. Victor, you've yeah. also got a your whole uh, family is very talented, and you've also got a a daughter that's become um, quite famous and successful. Can you tell us about Cindy? Um. Everywhere she goes, always found her, ask her, you should have been a model one day. <laughs> and she was only nine, nine or ten years old. And she came back and said, Daddy, what modeling? Modeling means you're going to walk in the carpet or someday. <laughs> yeah, really good, um, big changing for uh, Rostron family and even this community. I want my children or young young children break that brick brick wall and go other side because mm-hmm. us more we never break our brick wall because it's really hard. We stop halfway, but we keep continue with our our young one and keep working with our young one. Be there for them, mentor, and that's really good. Every time I say we want to use that double two spinning and balanda, and that's only chance we got telling story by music. And video because there's a lot, a lot of things happening in our homeland too. Landscape. This is big problems about um, climate change, the global warming uh, change. And our building ways is really, really shocking. We're looking at our bush tucker, our animal changing, mm-hmm. the sound and bush tucker changing. And our water really dry. The first time here, and our spring water everywhere is really dry, which is a lot of. I think big changing for us, Mop, and that's how we want to put a story by music. We want to tell the government one day we'll meet up some way and tell the story, show a video, what's our country doing. There are a lot of feral, a lot of weed, a lot of fire. This is our really agent, really agency, our rock art. Our rock hard disappearing, our old people remain, pig, buffalo, digging, getting out, our old people remain. That's really important. We want to tell story, use with a double tool. Yeah. So, Victor, um, there's a lot of Ballander people that want to help change Australia and help First Nations people. Mm. What What is the best way... And what can they do um, to help help you and people like you? 
Well, there are other tools, Belinda tools, come up and work with us. And we like, we're really happy to work with them to help our country. Firstly, worldwide, around the world, we talk about climate change. Managing fire, really good way, but it's like just big changing for us more. We want somebody well, to come up and uh, like work with us. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Victor and I have had this conversation quite a lot. It's really about recognition and understanding mm-hmm. about what is happening out here and what is happening on country. I mean, there's, there's this, this constant struggle with, um, you know, corporations or organisations being in the way of, of people being able to be on country and manage country. An Indigenous mob, as we know, have have knowledge of how to care for country and how to care for the earth. And it's, you know, from my perspective as a Balanda woman, the, the things that I've learned is to just actually really shut up and listen uh, to what it is that First Nations people are saying because there's answers there and there's there's generosity there, even after all of the atrocities that have happened, as you said. And First Nations people are talking and they're saying what they need. They're saying what needs to happen for their own agency and for their own environment and for, you know, their own country and um, their own voice. And there's a lot of people talking. And I think, you know, that's something that for me as a Ballander woman, that's something that I'm consistently trying to come back to is just to keep listening Mm. and keep learning Mm. and keep being open to the fact that maybe I've had it wrong this whole time. And that that's okay. That's exactly right. And it's something we've learned as a band. And if you spend time around people like yourself or even in Darwin, you do hear countless stories of 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 Ballander white people, southern people, who may be well meaning, but they come up thinking that they have the answers or that they have the skills mm-hmm. and they end up actually doing sometimes more harm than good. And really, um, what you said is exactly right. It's time for white people to listen and learn because we just have, I don't think that's been done enough um, in Australia's history because the 60,000 years plus of of extremely complex, um, beautiful and, um, you know, resilient culture that we have to now learn from. Yeah. And the only way to do that is to listen. Yeah. So, yeah, well, and you've certainly been a great role model for that and thanks for your guidance in um, how to, to negotiate the, the this part of Australia and its people. And, and Victor, um, yeah, it's a real honour to be able to have you on our podcast. Mm-hmm. Your reputation around um, Arnhem Land and Australia is giant and you are a so respected by all the people in Arnhem. We heard the Black Rock Band speak about you in in awe and then when we hear about all the projects you've done in your art, music, uh, your work as a ranger, it's mind-blowing. So you're a real hero of our, ours and um, it's been great to talk to you. I see you've got the guitar there. Yeah, I was going to say, speaking of talking about listening, I'd love to listen to that guitar and you play it. you want to play something? Oh, yeah. So this song about um, what we were talking about today, 
our different different clan groups where I grow up and I seen a lot of clan group hunting and gathering. Respect one another, respect people and respect country and manage the country proper way with fire, hunting, a lot of things and that's where I seen it. And Yo, mang mang. Mang. Yeah. Come on, come on. Okay. Ready? and myself talking with Victor Ostrin and Natalie Carey. Hope you enjoyed it. It was very insightful for us. We'll put a bunch of links in the show notes in regards to Wildfire, Nabalek Band, other things we spoke about. And yeah, just uh, don't piss on the seat anymore. Yeah, people don't like it you piss on the seat um see you in the next episode gonna be a big one I can feel it in my plums beautiful beautiful